go with me tonight to uh, Matthew chapter number 8. Or let's go to Mark 8. Mark chapter 8. Now, we've been talking about the switch of faith here for weeks and months. And I can tell we're getting closer and closer to the end, but there's still a few things we need to tie up here. Now, one of the cries or the main words in the whole New Testament is the word faith. You see it over and over, over and over and over and over. Without faith, it's impossible to please them. That we're, we're called to live the, to, to fight the good fight of faith. Remember Jesus said this many times. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He said to the disciples, ye of little faith. So over and over that was the cry. And so whatever we do as believers, we're going to have to do it by faith. What does that mean? You're going to have to learn to believe God. But really, the essence of faith is Jesus, that you find out what the Word says, and you look and say, this is what's promised to me. And then you begin to get a hold of it. And even in the area of, of provision, you're going to have to get that way by faith. And so what happens, guys? We're either going to do it man's ways, or we're going to do it God's ways. Now, our main, our main text for this has been Luke 12, verse 32 and 33. And in that passage, Jesus himself said, it's our Father's goodwill to give you the kingdom. He wants to give us the kingdom, and in the very next verse, he tells us how we tap into that. We learn to give. Now, when we give, we don't sow seed just to be sowing. Think about that. When, when a farmer sows seed, he doesn't just take and throw it out there and say, you know, I hope something happens. No, he sows with a purpose, and he sows with an expectation. And I believe each one of us, we, we've got to get a hold of that. That we need to sow with purpose and we need to sow with expectation. What's the expectation of a farmer? Harvest, blessing, reward. Now last week we talked about Galatians 6, 7. It says, whatever, whatever, whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. We must understand that. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And then he said in verse 9, And don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint or lose heart. In due season. So it's not wrong for you, when you plant seed, to expect a harvest. To expect a harvest. You think about a farmer. When he, these, these cotton farmers, they begin to see it come up, they're getting excited. They begin to realize, you know what that means? It's getting closer. And when they see those, what's it called that opens up? Hole, thank you, thank you. He begins to see that hole open up and they see that little white fuzzy stuff coming out. They really start getting excited. And you know what they start talking about? They start talking about the harvest. They start telling. They go home and say, oh, it's going to be a good year. They look at the other farm. I got, I got a bumper crop. I mean, they start talking. They get excited. Well, see, that's how we ought to be as believers. Guys, when I sow tomato plants, and I, I tell you, I expect those big, fat red ones. That's, that's my, and so in the natural, that's what we expect. This is what it ought to, this is how it ought to be even in the kingdom of God. When you sow seed, whoo, I'm to get your expectations out there. Remember, he said, whatever man sows, he's going to reap. Go with me now. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. And Jesus left them, and getting to the boat again, he departed to the other side. Now when the disciples had forgotten to take bread, they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So you know what happens here? 
They forget to pack a lunch. That's what happened. And so then Jesus charged or warned them saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now most translations or some for the word leaven will use the word yeast. Now I'm not a baker, but I do understand that yeast is a little bitty. Into proportion to how small the yeast is, what it can do to a whole batch of bread. And so right here, he uses this word, first of all, he says, do not or be aware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, guys, were very religious. Actually, if you look back a couple verses, I believe it's in verse 11, they were always saying to Jesus, give us a sign. So Jesus deals with them here, first of all, and he says, beware of the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees, the religion. And then he says, and beware of the yeast of Herod. Now, Herod didn't know God. He was an unrighteous man. So he's telling him here, listen, don't think like the Pharisees and don't think like the world. Because if you do, it takes just a little, 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 little bit that contaminate the whole thing. This is what Jesus is telling them. So he goes on to say, and they reasoned among themselves, saying it is because we have no bread. Many times, this is what we do, guys. How many of you have ever, you just start reasoning. You try to, try to strategize by your, you reason and you think and you worry and you reason. And so this is what they're doing here. This is a sign of the world. When I begin to reason, a sign of worry. He goes on to say in verse 17. But Jesus being aware of it, he said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? In other words, Jesus is saying, what's the problem? Don't you guys get it yet? Don't you understand yet? And then look what he says in the last part of verse 17. Is your heart still hardened? Now the definition of harden in Strong's is this, to be spiritually deaf, or spiritually blind. Now listen, listen real close to this. This is the definition of this. Hearers of the gospel who repeatedly resist its convicting truth, they become insensitive, they become dull, and they lose the power of understanding. So you know what he's saying there? You gotta be doers of the word, not hearers only. Remember James 14, James said this, when you know what to do, but you don't do it, it's sin. Now what he's talking about is when we hear the word over and over and over and over, but we don't listen to it. We don't heed it. We become spiritually deaf. We become spiritually blind. And this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. He was saying, boys, this is a wake-up call. You guys got to get this. Now, look what he jumps into next. He says, having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? And so Jesus is, is taking them back. He said, don't you remember the things you saw and the things you heard? Next verse. Verse 19, remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of fragments did you take up? They said to him, 12. 
And also when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large basket full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. And not only did they satisfy them, they had more than enough. So he said to them, how is it that you don't understand? You know what he's saying? You've seen and you've heard over and over and over how the kingdom of God operates. When are you going to get it? When are you going to figure it out? Now, I really believe in every one of our lives. There's many times we read the scripture, we read the scripture, we, man, we're fat on the word of God. We just don't do it. We just don't act on it. And so this is the warning right here. This is what the Lord Jesus was telling them, and I believe it's a wake-up call to us because God doesn't play, let's make a deal. There are spiritual laws that God has set up, and when I obey those spiritual laws, the Word of God works every time. Every time. Now, each one of us in here, we're like a scientist. We're a spiritual scientist. You know what a scientist does? He wants to know. How did you know that? How did you do that? Well, tonight, once again, we need to become spiritual scientists and look at how the Word of God works. Now, go back to your left, just a couple pages, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. You'll, you'll begin to see real quick where we're going with this tonight. Look with me. Let's just start in verse 30, and I'll read the first few verses pretty quick. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, what they had done and what they had taught. I'm in Mark 6, verse 31 now. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they departed to the deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and they ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them, and they came together to him. Are you talking about some folk being hungry for the things of God? They figured out where they were going, and they took off on foot and started running. We complain about driving to church, let alone running. It was a sign of hunger. God. They were hungry for God. They were hungry for the things of God. Keep reading. Verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour's late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. So you know what I believe is happening here? Jesus in this passage is going to teach them once again how the kingdom of God operates in the area of provision. Now, right here, when they said, Jesus, it's getting late. Send them away. You know what they're saying? You've told them everything you can for a day. Say a closing prayer and pat them on the back and get them out of here. And so this is their thought. Jesus is going to get rid of them. Now, this is where Gilly gets a little good. Verse 37. But he answered to them and said, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, I'm sure when he said that, the disciples begin to blink. They begin to scratch their head and say, he can't be serious. He's kidding. It's crazy. Whatever, whatever. Now, think about this. Jesus said, 
You give them something to eat. Now, you know what Jesus is doing here? He's locating them. He's going to see, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and reason? Are you going to sit here and try to figure it out? Or are you going to begin to flow by the kingdom of God? Now, remember what we read a minute ago. He had backed them up to what he had done before. And he said, boys, don't you remember when I did this? So we got to see what exactly that he did. Because I'm a spiritual scientist. I want to know what the key was here. So he said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Now, you know what they begin to do? They begin to reason. And you know what it says for them to be able to pay for this? This was equivalent to eight months wages. That means each one of them were going to go to work. For eight straight months to pay this off. So in their mind, we're going to toil forever to pay. This is impossible. This can't happen. We can't do this. This was quite a test. Now, where they get in trouble is the same with us. When we start reason or we start programming and think, this is the way man does it. When I think how man does it. And that's what Jesus was believing right here, I think. When he asked this question, I, I want to watch this replay in heaven because I bet he was just sitting there with his arms crossed just watching them. Let's see where they go with it. Let's see what they're going to do. So they make this statement here. That's verse number 37. Now jump to verse 38. But Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? Now, this is a major point that each one of us need to get once again. Jesus asked them, what do you have? He didn't ask them, what do you not have? He said, what do you have? Now, remember last week in 1 Kings 17, when Elijah spoke to the widow, what did he say to her? He said, ma'am, what do you have in your house? Not in grandma's house, not in your neighbor's house, not in your boss's house. What do you have? And so once again, that's the question that rises. And you'll see real quick that the disciples, their thought was, we don't have nothing. So Jesus says, what do you have? Go and see. Take some inventory. And when they found out, they said, we got five loaves and two fish. In other words... Tremendous. Oh, great. You know what their thought was? It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. So once again, what you begin to see here in these guys' life, the only system that they understood was man's system. In man's ways, every one of us would say, this won't work. This is not going to happen. So right here, I believe Jesus is trying to begin to teach them there's another kingdom. There's another way that we can operate, but you got to get a hold of it. So they tell them what they got. And once again, in every one of our lives, what we got. So you see, so many times we look and we say, we don't have nothing. You got something? Look what happens here in verse 39. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. 
And I really wonder when this was taking place if the disciples weren't elbowing each other. And they said, Peter, tell him. He misunderstood. He thinks you said 555 loaves and 220. He doesn't get this. I really believe that he doesn't understand. And so Jesus does this. Now, this is where a great point comes into you. Jesus knew something here, and he said in verse 41, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, many translations says they gave it to him. They brought him the five loaves and two fish. Now, Jesus knew this, that when you take what you give and you sow it into the kingdom of God, you know what happens? God takes it and God multiplies it. You know why? It changes kingdoms. It changes dominion. That's why over and over, even when you give, man, it says that you're to bring it. Bring it to the house of the Lord. You are to say, here, I'm giving it to you. And when you give it, guess what? Once again, it changes dominions. It does not do that until you give it. So look, there's another nugget in here. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and he broke the loaves. Now I got to get this here, guys. When it says he blesses it, you know what the word bless means? It means to separate. It means to consecrate. And so right here, Jesus was teaching them, you bring it to Father God, and when you give it to him, you give it and say, Father God, I ask you to bless it. I ask you to separate. You know what the separation is? From the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. Now right here, Jesus was teaching them, if you'll get a hold of this, I've missed it in this area before. And I realize I've missed it in this area. And he says, bless it so that it's separated, it's consecrated into the kingdom of God. What was he separating? The five loaves and the two, two fish. And so Jesus looks up to heaven. And you know what? When we do that and we say, Father God, bless it. We're saying, I'm looking to you, Father God. I'm looking to you as my source. So right here, look what goes on and takes place. So he blessed it, he broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all, so they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 basketfuls of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now, this is where Jesus got over in Mark 8. He said, boys, you've got to remember these things. Remember the principles or the law of the kingdom. So what happens? When they gave it to Jesus, he showed him, you've got to bless it. And then as they blessed it, Father God took it. And you know what Father God does? He multiplies it. He multi I don't know how it works. I just know when I obey the kingdom of God, this is what begins to take place. Now, over and over again, you'll see some things in the Bible. Galatians 6, 7, I quoted that a minute ago. It says, whatever a man sows, he'll reap. When they gave fish, what did they reap? Fish. Thank you. When they gave the bread, what did they reap? They reaped bread. When the woman in 1 Kings 17 gave the oil, what did she reap? She reaped oil. Now, when it comes to money, you can name it. How do you know that? You do it every day. 
You take your $3 and you go to United and you said, I'm going to spend this $3 on a gallon of milk. So you know what you've done with money? You've named your seed. You take your little $3 to the gas station and you say, I need a gallon of gas. Well, you're still just a little bit short for a gallon. (laughs) You get the point anyhow. You take your money and you say, this is a hamburger. You take your money. See, so what we've done our whole lives with money is we've designated it. We've named it. That's the same in the kingdom of God. And so what ends up happening is when you sow money into the kingdom of God, begin to designate it and begin to speak. Where is that biblical? That's Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Now, when it comes to provision, you can pray all day long, guys, your desire. But if you haven't given, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so... Let me tell you some little true stories here. And I'm going to get back to a couple more verses here. There was a a minister who believed in honoring God with his money. He preached it, but he was broke. All his credit cards were maxed out. Never had a dime to his name. And he got real frustrated. And he said, Father God, I believe your word and everything. But evidently, I'm not getting something here. And so he said, Lord, I want you to teach me how the kingdom of God flows. And so the Lord said to him, he said, I'm going to teach you through something you really, really enjoy doing. Deer hunting. So the guy would go deer hunting where he lived. But he didn't just go hunting for a deer for for a sportsman or just to get one. It was for provision. They needed it for food. So, So Father God began to teach him through this. So the Lord said to him, you got to sow. Remember, Luke 12, 32, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Give. So he writes out his check. And he writes it out to his church. That's where he was going to give. The Lord said to him in the memo, go ahead and name your seed. So right there on his little check down there at the bottom, you know what he wrote? For my buck. And so he took that check. He got his wife. They went in and they said, Lord, now we, we ask you to bless it. Bless it, bless it, bless it. They sowed it. He goes out on the day of the hunt, and with an hour, he gets his buck. He understood this. This wasn't coincidental. He said, I've tapped into something, Lord. Where he lived, they had several huntings through the year, so he drew out again. He did it again. He kept doing it. He kept doing it, and God kept blessing him. So the next year, the Lord said to him, I really, really, really want you to become specific. So he... Writes his check out and he says, I'm going to sow, I'm going to sow, I'm going to give, I'm going to give. And down there in the memo this year, you know what he writes? For my eight-point buck. Him and his wife get together. They pray. They said, Lord, bless it. We sow it. We release our faith. He goes out. He gets a deer. And when he comes up on it, he looks down there. It's an eight-point. It's an eight-point. He does this over and over. And so he begins to say this to the Lord. Is this how the kingdom of God works in every avenue? It is. It is. This is how it happens. 
He said, you know what? If you don't want to learn it, if you don't want to listen, then don't. You don't have to do it. But this is how the kingdom of God operates. So one year, he's, he's, he's sowed his seed and he's gone out. And there's deer everywhere. But none of them get close enough to him to shoot it with a bow. He doesn't get one. He gets really, really frustrated. And he goes back home and he looks to his wife and said, something's wrong. I didn't get one today. Now this is a point that every one of us need to understand. He said, I knew God's word, the kingdom principles always work. They work every time. So you know what he said? I knew I had short-circuited my faith somewhere. See, a lot of times when it doesn't work like we want it to, we say, God, what's up? In reality, the Word of God, and see, this is what I'm really, really getting into me. The Word of God will work every single time if I'll get a hold of these laws. Now, guess, I'm not speaking a magical formula. This is why we went back to read that what Jesus said. So him and his wife went back and he said, where did we miss it at? And, and, and they began to analyze and he said, we sowed the seed. We wrote on their desire. And she looked and she said, but we didn't bless it. We didn't take it to the Lord and say, Lord, bless this, separate this. Now look, look, look back in verse 41 where we're at. I want to read that to you one more time. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he blessed and he broke the bread. Now, the first thing you see here is before he passed out any of the bread to the disciples, what did he do? They gave it and he blessed it. He blessed it. So guess what the Lord told him to do? He said, get out your little receipt from that check that you wrote. So he got it out and he looked at the seed he had sown and down there at the bottom, it had the type of deer he was after. He took it, and he told his wife, come here, darling. They got an agreement, and they said, Lord, bless it. Bless it. He goes out the next day, and he kills the deer. Now, I begin to look at this over and over and over and over, and I begin to meditate. Now, I'm going to tell you right now. The things that I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm operating in those. Those are things that are happening in my own life right now. Just right now, there, I'm telling there's some things that are happening incredibly, but there was an area that I got frustrated. I got frustrated, and I looked and I thought, oh, no, that's what I didn't do. I sowed a seed a couple of weeks, and I didn't have it. Me and Shelly didn't have the Lord bless it. So I ran back home, and I told Shelly, oh, dear, I've blown it. This is what we got to do. We got to get back into agreement with the kingdom laws. So I went back and we took it and we blessed it. And I said, okay, Father God. Okay, Father God. Now here, let me give you a little illustration of something that happened. We'd sowed seed in different areas and sowed seed. And I'm going to tell you guys, when I'd sow seed, I'd begin to tell them. I'd tell ones in the office, watch this. Watch this. There's going to be a return on this seed. Last week, I came in one day, and there was a letter from an insurance company, and I looked down at that thing, and there was a check written out to me for 470 something dollars. And I said, what's that from? Shelly said, I don't know. The insurance company's just giving us money. I thought, well, praise the Lord. How many times does the insurance company do that? Some of you say, well, that never happens to me. Well, you've been sowing any seed? Now, when I sowed that, I didn't say so the insurance company would rebate. I just knew God was going to start blessing in an area. Look with me in, in, into Matthew chapter number uh, 18. I want to show you something here. Matthew chapter 18. Now listen, if this doesn't bear witness with you, you don't have to do it. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm tapping into some things in my own life. And it comes, it comes from being a giver. I'm going to tell you, you just learn to say, okay, Father God, I'm going to honor. Why is that so difficult? Because it goes totally different than the way man thinks. Goes totally. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you think like man but want to believe in the kingdom, it's not going to happen. In order for the kingdom to happen, you've got to start thinking in line with the kingdom. You've got to start obeying the kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you, in my life, sometimes that has been a struggle because I think, there ain't no way, Father God. I got more month than money. But I understand more and more how the kingdom operates, how the kingdom begins to flow. Now look what is said right here in, in Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, if two, how many? Two of you agree on where? Earth. Concerning what? Anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, once again, you can go with your wife, your brother, your girlfriend, and you can get an agreement and you can pray on things. But when it comes to provision, if you haven't given, it's not going to happen. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. And so here's the point. I encourage you. Get in agreement with someone that say, come on, I want to pray with you. That's why I believe that the, the strongest prayer of agreement is between a man and a woman, a husband and wife. You know why? Because they've become one. Well, I'm not married. Pastor. Well, get with somebody that's a good friend, someone's close, that'll get in agreement with you and begin to pray. Get in agreement with them. Say, okay, dear, we're going to pray. We're going to release this. We're going to stand. And we're going to stand and we're going to stand. You know, another reason you need to do that, 1 Peter 3, 7 says that husbands, if you don't honor your wife, your prayers won't be heard. Where's that? Some of you ladies are ready. Where's that at? That's 1 Peter 3, 7. It says that's the reason your prayers are being hindered. You read it. It's what it says. So I'm going to tell you, you better get right with your wife. You ought to do that anyhow. But once again, you begin to see that the kingdom right here, it'll work every time if I begin to get a hold of this and I begin to say, okay, Father God, help me here. Help me here. Help me here. I'm, I'm going I'm to let Matt and Amanda share one evening here a little bit on this. I'm just going to give you a little bit. When I know things, then I'll tell it, whether they like it or not. They had a house in Albuquerque, guys, for four and a half years, five years almost. Hadn't been able to sell it. But it says the market's no good, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so for, I don't know how long, quite a while now, I begin to say, you want to get a hold of something? You want to be a spiritual scientist? Check this out. And so he'd kind of look at that. Are you doing that, Pastor? I said, absolutely. You seeing any fruit from it? Absolutely. And so I said to him, just get a hold of this. I said, let the Lord deal with you. You study it out. And I said, if you think that bears witness with you, go ahead and do it. That house sold. I think it closed just this week. They sowed a seed. They did that. And he came in one day and he said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. He said, that house sold. And I said, I am going to believe it. You know why? The word works. The word works. The word works. 
I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to stretch you. It's going to, and some of you are looking at me cross-eyed like, dear God, he's nuts. He's gone off the deep end now. I'm just telling you how the kingdom of God operates. And once again, I'm not going to preach something that I haven't done. I'm not going to sit here and say, boy, you guys ought to try this and tell me how it works. <laughs> I mean, this has been months I begin to see this because you know what? In my own life, I realized I've heard the word of faith for years. I've heard stuff. And, and, and I begin to look and I said, there's something missing in some of this. And when I begin to study this out and see what the kid, I was like, whoop, there it is. There it is. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so, yeah, there's still things that I understand. I, I got to begin to figure it out. I begin to look at it and look at it and look at it. Maybe this bears witness. If you don't, it's all right. It's okay. You say, I'm not going to do it. Well, don't. But don't ask me to pray for your finances. No, I'm just kidding. Stand on your feet with me. Stand on your feet with me. So I'm just teaching you how the new thing. Now, you know what I believe? I believe this is, this is how faith starts operating. When we begin to get a hold of the word of God and we look exactly what Jesus... See, Jesus tells us what to do. But once again, if I harden my heart to this stuff, ultimately, you know what happens? I become calloused. And you know what? You, when you become callous, you can sit in that pew and say, I've heard that. I know that. I don't care if you know it or you heard it. The answer or the question is, do you do it? Do you do it? And to do it once again, and you heard me say this last week several times, it's going to take great faith and it's going to take great courage. Courage. 